Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see. Man, look at the good-looking people here today. Mm, yeah, that's right. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor right now. He's talking about me. Just go ahead and tell him right now. That's good. Good-looking people today. I don't know who hung the sign up and said, no ugly people allowed, but it worked. Glad that you're here today. I want to say this morning as we get started, what a wonderful week we had last week, Easter Sunday. A few us here, it was, it was an awesome day. We had over 27 people make a decision for Jesus Christ. Can we just give God a hand for that? Amen. That's what it's all about. We had over 1,040 people attend one of our four services last Sunday, or last Easter weekend. We had a Friday service as well. It was an amazing day. Uh, before we were praying for people, you know, we actually gave people rocks and they was thinking about a person's name. They put it on the altar. And uh, many of you have talked to me about what God did through that. And one guy was telling me that, uh, that his family, uh, a family member he'd had, had not spoken to in a long time, over 13 years. And after doing that, after praying for them, the very next day they showed up at his house. They lived out of state and, and just showed up at his house unexpectedly. Hadn't communicated in 13 years. God is just a God of awesomeness. He just does awesome things. So we're so glad that you're here. We want to praise God for all that he's doing among us because he's doing great things among us. So this morning, as we uh, continue our series called Let Hope In, today I would like to talk to you uh, on the topic of what I've called living in amazing grace. Yeah, I don't know about you, but um, you know, there's times that we don't really do that. I don't know, uh, maybe you had this experience. When I was in like elementary school, I can remember there was this girl by the name of Denise that I really liked, you know, she was a cutie. And I remember going out, uh, I don't know where I saw this at, but I remember going out and grabbing a flower, uh, you know, from my, uh, in my yard or wherever. And while I was by myself, I got the flower with all the little petals on it. And I was like, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. Okay, you don't have to admit that you did that. And many of you have maybe done that. You know, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And the reason I say that is because many of us here today treat our relationship with God like that. We think that just because, you know, like if we do good, he loves me. But if we have something bad happen in our life, he loves me not. Sometimes even when bad things just come our way, we think we're on the, he loves me not. Good things come our way, he loves me. But it's not that way at all. He loves you, period. And until you can accept that, you'll never live in amazing grace. I wrote this down because I want you to get what I believe living in amazing grace means. And here it is, it's on your outline, it'll come up on the screen as well. Living in amazing grace means living from God's acceptance not for God's acceptance. Did you hear that? One more time. Living in amazing grace means living from God's acceptance, not for God's acceptance. 
That's a big difference, isn't it? I don't know about you, but maybe you've experienced this, but maybe you have some friends in your life, or maybe there's a boyfriend or girlfriend, or, or maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a spouse. But, you know, if you do these things, they really like you, but sometimes it seems like you have to always be doing something to try to gain that, their approval. And many of us living in this room right now have actually put that on God. So it takes us to the first point. Let's just go ahead and get started. There's three things I want to share with you, and the first one is this. Believe in spite of our past, we are loved and chosen by God. In spite of our past. You see, few people truly see God for God. Most of us sitting in this room struggle with this. What most of us do is take a version of our relationships. Matter of fact, we take pieces of our relationship in the past that we've had with our fathers, our mothers, our maybe our spouse, maybe our children, maybe our parents, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach, maybe a professor. And we take all of that stuff that they've, our relationships have gathered, and we're all looking for acceptance, we're all looking for approval, you know, we're, we're all looking for appreciation and, and affection. And those people, I would dare say, probably did not give to us what we really needed. And so what we tend to do is take all of that stuff that we didn't get from anybody else, and we say, you know what, well, if nobody else ever treated me this way, then, then God must not treat me this way either. And so we take all of our opinions of the past, of relationships, and we throw them on God. And when you do that, my friend, you will never live in amazing grace, because I want to tell you something, we are human, we are flawed. You know what I tell my kids? I'm not God. Okay, so when you're drawing up your opinion of God, I just want you to know, Tyler, Caitlin, I want you to know, he's not like me. Okay, I just want you to know that. I want to clear there, you know, because children have a tendency to, to think, you know, that you know, when they think about God, their father, they sort of think about their earthly father. I just want to say, I just tell my kids, listen, I am jacked up. God is not. So all of my stuff that you don't like, he's not like that. Many of you sitting in this room right now, you're jacked up too. And so, because we live in a world of jacked up people, sometimes we put that image of being jacked up on God as well and say, He cannot love me the way that, you know, the Scripture says He can. The Bible says it differently, though. Look on your outline with me. In 1 John 4 and 18, it says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Would you agree with that? You know, I mean, like, when you feel like you're not always having to try to do something, measure up to somebody's approval, isn't that torment to you? I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, whether it be a, a boss, a spouse, or a teacher, or, or, or a professor, or whatever, you always feel like you have to keep trying to make them like you. That's torment. Perfect love's not that. He says, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You see, if God's love were imperfect love, we'd have high cause to worry. If God's love was like your love and like my love, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? We would. You know why? Because here's why. Imperfect love. Imperfect love is always keeping a record of our wrongs. 
Did you hear that? Not, not only does imperfect, it keeps a record of our wrong, and it goes back to that list every once in a while. Don't you look at me like that. You know, every, I would dare to say in this room right here, there's people in this room right now that people have done you wrong, and that you probably mentally have made a mark about that and made a mark they've done this, and if they ever come and say something to you, mentally you've got your list ready to say, well, let me tell you when you did, bam, bam, and bam. I remember one time somebody wrote me an ugly letter. That was back before email. Wrote me a nasty letter. Told me I was everything but loved by my mama. In the name of Jesus, they said. Yes. I want you to know I kept that letter on my counter for about three months. I looked at it every day and I said, you know what, I'm going to file this letter away because one day I'm going to show this person what they've done and how stupid they really are. Do you know what? That letter didn't affect them anymore. It affected me every day because I kept it. I remember the day that I went into my filing cabinet and I pulled that letter out and I said, you will no longer have control over me and I threw that thing away. You see, because I'm imperfect and so are you. We keep records of wrongs. We go over those lists because we're going to get you back. We're going to let you know one day the time's going to be right when you say something. We're going to pull our list out and bam, bam, bam. Take that in the name of Jesus. See, that God's love is not that way. He casts out. He casts out our fears because God cast out our sins. The Bible says it this way in Romans 8 and 1. Look what he says. I want you to read out loud what's underlined. I mean, and when I say out loud, that means that I want you to speak like I'm speaking right now. You ready? Here we go. So now, so now there is no condemnation. What does that mean? That means that list... As soon as you say, I'm sorry, God throws it away. Puts it away. You can't, I know you can't understand this because you're not God. See, because we can't forget like that, can we? We can't forget today that somebody mistreated us. We can't forget. We can try to put it away. We can try to do our best. But it's still there somewhere in the back of our mind. But God is God, and therefore, there is no condemnation. The moment you say, God, I am sorry for that, he casts that away. And because he's God, he can forget it. It never comes up to his mind again, no matter what you do. He doesn't pull your list back out. Matter of fact, if you've asked God to forgive you, he doesn't have a list anymore on you. Isn't that great? Man, that's good news. God threw the past sins away. So why don't we let it go? It reminds me of this story that I read from Max Licato in his book called Fearless. There was a guy by the name of Booker T. Washington who was actually a child of slaves. He grew up on a plantation. And Booker T. Washington writes about one morning, uh, or how that every morning they would get up, and the, the, the way that they would be awakened would be, the rooster would crow. When the rooster would crow, it meant a hard day's work ahead, that they would have to go out into the cotton field and they would have to work. And so it was all about, you know, every time the rooster crowed, it was like, oh, we got to go and we got to work hard today. Well, when Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and declared that every slave would be free. He said, I never will forget that morning, the, the day after that we were set free of getting up. 
He said, the next morning after we were declared free, he said, uh, the rooster crowed. He said, and, and I heard the rooster crow, and it woke me up. But then I heard the rooster uh, making a horrible noise. He said, so I, we looked out, I looked out the tiny window that I had, and I saw my mother chasing that rooster with an axe. Because that rooster was reminding them of slavery. And she declared by killing that rooster and them having it for lunch that day that they had been set free. They killed the rooster that reminded them of their past. What rooster do you need to kill today? What's crowing in your life? What, what is it every time you want to do something good and you think about going somewhere with God? What is it? What rooster crows in your life to remind you of your slavery days of sin? Why don't you just kill that rooster? Why don't you just cut its head off? Now, if it's the person sitting beside you, don't do that, all right? Don't look. If you look, I think you're talking about that. So what's reminding you of your past? I want you to take a step with me today that's going to be the first step toward killing the rooster in your life. On the back of your connection card, there's this one statement that I have that says this. I will silence the rooster of my past. Would you check that box? When you check that box, mentally your mind's going somewhere and God is going to help you to get rid of that so that you can live in God's amazing grace. Living in God's amazing grace means living from God's acceptance and not for God's acceptance. That takes us to the second thing I'd like to share with you this morning. Trust God as your loving Father. Paul, again in Romans 8, begins to tell us about this. Look what he says. He says, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Notice that. The rooster crowing all the time. You've not received that spirit from God. He said, instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba what? Abba Father. Do you know this? That word Abba actually literally means that when a baby says like Daddy or Dada. Do you know that 80% of all children, the first thing that they say is Dada. Do you know that, ladies? I'm sorry. I know you do all the work. You nurture them. You care. You do all the painful childbearing. You do it all. But the first thing they say, 80% of children say is Dada. And so God was saying, when, he, when, when Paul was writing this, he said, what God is saying to you is this. He said, when you can't think of anything else to say, just understand, like a small child, when it's looking for safety, when it, when it can only utter few syllables to know that I am Dada, I am Daddy, I am Abba, Father, who loves you and cares for you and will protect you. You know, I would dare to say, some of us in this church are, are pretty close. We're friends. But you know what? If I come and done something to one of your children, you would do whatever it took, no matter how close our relationship, to protect your child from a person like me or anybody else. When it comes to your child, you would do some amazing things to protect them. I want you to know your Heavenly Father, you're His child. And He don't like it when people mess with you. 
He doesn't like it when, when people do you wrong. He's always on your side. He, he's in your corner. You, you don't ever have to guess where God is because he's your loving father. He says, I'm your Abba father. You can call on me. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I accept you. I approve of you. I am adore. You, I, you, are, you are my child that I adore. You are mine. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad about you. Isn't that amazing? I know this is better than you thought it was going to be, isn't it? Okay, all right. He goes on to say, For His Spirit joined with our spirits, affirm that we are God's what? Children. God's children. You see, I am God's child, and you're God's child. If, you're, if you've asked Christ to save you, you're God's child. And I must focus on trusting my Heavenly Father. Again, God is not like your earthly father. He's much better than that. No matter how good your father was, he's better than that. You see, the problem goes back to, our, to uh, trusting, doesn't it? Everything's about trusting. You go back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve. And the issue that Eve had was that she didn't trust God. The issue that, remember the serpent come, the, the Satan come and said, you know what, God just don't want you to do, take that fruit because if you do, you're going to find out some stuff that God don't want you to know and it's good stuff and it's real good and he's keeping all that from you. So you know what, you need to take a bite of that fruit. He's hiding something from you. And it was because of Eve quit trusting God and she feared that God was holding something out on her that, you know, if she could do that, she would find something good. She decided that, you know, that she would go ahead and take matters into her own hands. And, and what she decided to, was, you know, since God is holding out on me, I will do what God cannot do for me. I will do it myself. She quit trusting. She quit trusting. When you quit trusting God, you will start doing things that he says you shouldn't do because you will think that he's holding something out on you. And only to find, like Adam and Eve, what happened with them. When they quit trusting, guess what? All of a sudden they committed sins and, and, and they found a whole new world that was, that was painful just the way God said it was big. And they found His Word to be true. And what did they do? They went and hid. They took off running, hiding. They said, hey, Eve, you're naked. Oh, my, we got to get some fig leaves around here. We got to start. They started covering up. You ain't got, you don't have any clothes. They never noticed that before. You're naked. You know why? Because somehow when we sin against God, we expose ourselves. And when we expose ourselves, the natural thing to do, the natural thing to do is to try to cover yourself up when you feel like you're exposed. Adam and Eve run and hid because they quit trusting. Let me tell you something. A lot of us in this room struggle with this because the way that we hide today is that we don't run to the, we don't run to the forest and find fig leaves, but we hide by being busy. We get so busy that our mind is so full of stuff that we don't have time to think about anything else but what's right now. We keep ourselves so busy. And listen, busyness is a form of hiding and in our culture today, you know, we make it great to hide and easy to hide, and we even blame it on our children. Well, their schedule is so busy. I don't have time for God because my kids are so busy. You see, you can't do that. You're the parent. It's up for you to keep the relationship in proper perspective so that you can be 
truthful before God and understand that He's your Father in heaven. Hope comes flooding in when you move from trying to trusting. You see, God did not create you to conquer your own sins. You know that. He didn't create you with the ability to heal the hurts of your past. He didn't. He created you to trust Him. But see, here's the problem. Many of us say, you know, i got to try harder. I gotta try not to sin. I gotta try not to cuss. I gotta try not to lust. I gotta, I gotta try not to steal. I gotta try not to cheat. I gotta, I gotta try. And you're missing it. You weren't created to do this on your own. You were created to trust. And when you trust him, when you complete, when you lean more into trusting than you leaning into trying, then all of a sudden you receive a supernatural power to help you that you didn't have before. And really, it's his power that overcomes the sin in your life, not your own power. I have people come to me all the time and say, well, pastor, you know what? When I quit this, I'm going to come and ask Jesus to save me. And I'm like, friend, if you could have quit, you would have already quit. You can't quit on your own. You need a power within inside of you. And that's what we call trusting Jesus, our Lord, and say, remember, it's trusting by faith we're saved. And it's putting our faith and confidence in God that he can help us do what we can't do on our own. The scripture says it this way. Look, our memory verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And memory verse means that you memorize it. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you the path to take. You know what that means is this. When I was a little boy, I would help my dad out around the house. And on Saturday afternoons, we would go get a Pepsi-Cola and a pack of peanuts. That was our thing. We worked hard, and we went to get a Pepsi-Cola and a pack of peanuts. My dad would get in me in his little pickup truck, and I would be sitting over there, and on the passenger side, the dad driving, he'd stop the truck and say, come here, Jeff. And I'd slide over there beside him, and he'd put me in his lap. He'd say, son, you want to drive this truck? i say, yes, daddy, I want to drive the truck. he said, all right. He'd put my hands on the steering wheel, and we'd start driving, and he'd take his hands off the steering wheel. And now I'm driving this truck. I'm like, well, he said, son, you're driving. You're doing good. Now, stand the road now, son. And then all of a sudden, I see a big curve coming toward us. And I'd get scared because I was a little boy. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to turn the steering wheel. And right when we got to that curve, you know, right before we got there, dad didn't start screaming, hey, you idiot. You should know how to handle this curve. You're dummy, 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 stupid boy. He didn't do that. What my dad did is when we started going toward that curve, my dad reached around me with his hands. He put them right on that wheel, and he drove me right through that curve like this. And after we got out of the curve, he said, son, you did good. And he'd take his hand back off the wheel. Why? Because my father understood that I could trust him, and he was caring for me. And I want you to know your heavenly father right now is inviting you to hop up in his lap and let him take the wheel a little while and stir you through all the curves of life. Amen? Come on, give God a hand. See, it's not your power, it's His power. It's not leaning into trying, it's leaning into trusting. And the more you lean into trust, the more power you get, and the more you don't have to try, He does it for you. He takes the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. 
Somebody wants to break out in that song right now, don't you? Yeah, I know it. I know what you're thinking. He takes the wheel. Look what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. Remember we start off the Lord's Prayer, our what? Our Father, our Father, Abba, Dada, our Father. And then Jesus ends the Lord's Prayer this way. Look what he says. He said, then lead us not into temptation. Notice he didn't say, God help me not to get, go into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice that. For thine is the kingdom and the what? And the power. In other words, God, I've got to have you to lead me. I've got to have you to deliver me. Because listen, if God doesn't show up in my life, I'm going off the cliff. I will sin. I will, I will destroy my life. But I have to pray every day, God, lead me. Lord, deliver me from evil. Because it's not my power. Thine is the kingdom and thine is the power. It's your power, not mine. And so I can't lean into trying. I have to lean into trusting. When you lean into trusting, you get his power. Today, maybe you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. Today, maybe you've been leaning all into trying yourself. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, this is personal and I'm not going to embarrass you, but on your, on your uh, program, there's a prayer that says, I'm praying a prayer to become a Christ follower. You can read this on your own. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come forward. You can read this, and if you meet it in your heart today, you can move from trying to trusting. You can become a Christ follower today. I encourage you to do that. The only thing I ask you to do is that when you make that decision, that on the back of your connection card, you check the box so that I can pray for you. That I can pray for you. Number three, walk in assurance of God's love while you're walking through trouble. Anybody here ever had any trouble besides me? Let me see your hand. Okay, that's about 90%. I'm fixing to have an altar call now because some of you are lying. You just flat out lie. Now, let's try that one more time. How many of you have ever had trouble? Let me see your hand. Okay, there we go. That's it. Why does it take me two times to get you to tell the truth? In this world, you're going to have trouble. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said this, not Jeff, Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. If you remember leaning toward trusting. In this world, you will have what? You'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The problem is this, is that we think because we have trouble that God is, God is mad at us. God doesn't love us. Remember, it's the petals. You know, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. When we, when, we, when we have trouble, we think, okay, God doesn't love me. And some of us here today are mad at God because we, some of us have done some things, you know what, that we are... We would say our bad has outweighed our good, and therefore, you know what? God has a right to be mad at me, so, so anyways, he doesn't love me because I've done too much bad. And there are some of us in here that have done good. We've weighed the scales, and we feel like we've done more good than bad, but yet something bad's happened in our life, and so we're mad at God because, you know what? If he really loved me, he'd see how much good I've done, and he wouldn't let this bad stuff happen. I want you to know whether good things or bad things are happening to you has nothing to do with God's love. Nothing. Look what Paul says. He says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger 
are threatened with death? Here's the answer right here. Would you read that next word with me? Ready? Out loud shout it. You ready? One, two, three. No. Despite all these things, overcoming victory is ours through Christ. Would you read these last three words out loud? You ready? One, two, three. Who loved us? Who loved us? My question to you today is this. Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? It's my question. Will you live from God's acceptance? Or will you be chained to the slavery of your past and live with the pressure of living for God's acceptance? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now I come to you and I just thank you so much for these wonderful people that have gathered here today. God, as we gather here, we're celebrating because the people that are going to be baptized today have made a decision, God, that they're going to live from acceptance and not for acceptance. And I pray today that you would bless every person here. You would speak through their heart, God, and they would lean more into trusting than trying and watch your power be displayed in their life. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.